Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. This week, we are chatting with our friend Kirsten Walshmitt, lead pastor at College Park Covenant Church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Kirsten and I are discussing women in leadership. We share a little bit of the stories from when we worked together, her experiences with motherhood, and her path to becoming a pastor. She talks about some of the challenge as she has led in a male-driven vocation. Kirsten is one of the wisest people that I know and openly shares with us some stories of her inner work that she has done with God's help and others. As a bonus, we share a little bit about the work that we do together in Haiti. I'm excited about today. I, I think this is going to be fun. We can laugh a little bit and reminisce a little bit about our our hope days and give give people that listen into this just even a little bit of like what it was like to work together. Mostly I wanted to talk today. We, we kind of wanted to talk to you about what it's like to be a, a, a pastor and a woman and all of the things around that. And so... <laughs> And, and I know we talked last week about, I, I am going to ask you the, the question about what it feels like being a representative of a movement that you maybe didn't ask to be a representative mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. But, but before we do that, can you tell us, like, who are you? Where are you a pastor? How long have you been? Like, just some stats, some, yeah. some okay. Kirsten Walshmitt stats. <laughs> Yeah, if you pull up my card, my yeah. my player card, yeah. I am a pastor, wife, mother. I have been pastoring since like in a, a official capacity, 2006. So, if anybody can do the math really quick, I think that's maybe 14, 13, 15 years, 15. 16, 16 maybe. <laughs> Anyways, carry on (laughs) so i am in saskatoon uh saskatchewan and pastoring at college park covenant church Um, my youngest was uh six weeks old when i candidated here (laughs) and and then i started when she was like seven seven months old or so the church here has been such a great before coming here i was uh in strathmore Alberta and, and was, uh, one of the pastors on staff at hope. And so the kind of the change in coming here was to that. I'm, uh, I am a lead pastor and, a and, and a little more solo, um, on my own in a sense. And so that's been one of the, one of the main changes. I mean, a lot of things remained consistent about being a pastor, but there's been, new new things some challenges responsibilities that that have been different in this setting so i'm also i i'm a musician and i kind of i like any kind of art that's me 
That's cool. And your kids are how old now? Yeah. So Caleb is uh, turning 13. Asher is turning 11 and Eden's eight. She'll be, she'll be nine this summer. Cool. They're, they're growing. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I, I'm going to be a mother of a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times. Trust me. It's unexpected times, but it's good times. As you can see what my hair looks like these days. It's like, that's just par for the course. That's cool. That's, that's really awesome. And you went to Regent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I studied at, at Regent college in Vancouver. Um, I, I got a, a, what was called an MCS at the time. It is basically like a, a master's of theology kind of thing. Part of why I went there was that one of the degrees they offered was uh, a master's of theology specializing in the arts. So theology and the arts. And so that's, that's what I, I went there kind of with that goal. My, what I had studied in university, I was a music major composition and I, I did not go there planning to, to be where I am now. <laughs> Let's just say. <laughs> what were you planning to be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like this whole thing has been a really gradual, gradual movement in my life. I mean, partly because I had not ever, I had never seen a woman pastor. Like I hadn't, I hadn't witnessed that or experienced that. So that was just in that way, it was a little bit just outside of my experience. But um, probably like age like 12 and 13, I was like, I read through the entire Bible. I like, I, I, I loved, um, I loved like taking a passage and explaining it to my sister, my little sister, poor kid. Um, but I like, like there was stirrings of, of some things even at that point. And then when I was like 15, 16, I was, I was really struck by the passage. Um, it's actually around the Christmas story in Luke where Mary treasures all these things that she's seen happen with this baby that she's just given birth to. And, and she treasures it all in her heart. And I, for some reason that like really resonated with me. And so I felt like I was sort of like, I was like holding a bunch of calling mm. in my heart, but I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it meant or what it looked like. And so I, I went to covenant Bible college when I was 18 and, and, um, and it was a really crucial year in my, in my life. And I, so I did have the picture or the, like of what it might look like to teach in that setting. And I think being a musician and, and, and it, it like those sort of things were kind of the only way I could kind of picture how this could collide would be like teaching college students in a theological artistic context. And then in the middle of my time at Regent, I was getting called towards being a pastor, which I just didn't have a whole lot of reference for how it was a gradual, a gradual process. Yeah. Not tons of clarity along the way. <laughs> That's I, I have not heard you tell that story. Like I, I obviously knew you at that time. I knew you before you went to Regent and we, we hung out lots, you know, as friends and some of those kind of things. And, but I, I don't know that I've heard that 
that version of the story and even even the treasured up the Mary part of it I don't I don't Mm. think I I've heard you describe it quite like that so were there people I guess is what I'm getting at along the way even when you were young like that 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 were encouraging you to look at being a pastor or were they always just like keep playing the piano you play the piano so well oh absolutely absolutely Yeah, no, I mean, that's how far off the radar. I mean, no one, no one was ever saying you should be a pastor. I mean, none of them had ever seen a woman pastor either. But um, my parents were always very supportive in terms of like, you, you could do anything you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like they did. Th- that was definitely the attitude they, they, um, and the kind of support and really, really supportive of any kind of like ministry direction. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they would, they were never like, would never have said, Oh, you can't do that. I found out years later that my parents were kind of like, Oh no. Cause they just knew that being a pastor would, would be really hard. (laughs) And they, and they weren't sure they wanted that for me. (laughs) And it was like, they're like, though it has nothing to do with whether we think you could do this. We know you could do this, but, it's just going to be hard. Be, it could be hard. Yeah. So, so did they tell you that years later at a time when it was really hard? <laughs> tell you them. know, it was, we were, we were driving somewhere in the car with someone else who was quizzing my mom about what did you think about your daughter becoming a pastor? And like, they just would not let up. She gave her like standard answers and then they would not quit. And then finally she's like, well, no question of whether she could do it but I, I didn't want her to get hurt. Yeah. What's, um, what's come to mind for me too, is like, I was hoping you would talk about your parents because you have powerhouse parents, like both of them love your dad, love all the energy your dad brings. Your mom is, is an amazing person. Not that your dad is not. I love, I love Andy too. So he's going (laughs) to listen. So shout out to Andy. Love you. But your mom (laughs) is just this amazing amazing person in so many ways both of your parents do this they they just exude the love of christ in everything that they do and it's always been one of the things but even as i was listening to you talk about how how they've always encouraged you maybe afraid for you to be in ministry which you know a legitimate parental fear (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but they also are a part of my story and how I came to do ministry yeah. and, and the, yeah. you know, the first official church I served was the church you grew up in, right up, at, up in Wetaskiwin and Malmo. And, and they were running the youth group that I came to be a part of and to mm-hmm. pastor for a mm-hmm. couple of years. And I cannot think of a time. And I, there were some hard moments when we were there and I cannot think of a time when they didn't both encourage me, but I'm sure also defend me and do all the things that every young yeah. pastor needs yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and I've been so privileged. They're, they're on speed dial, literally. Um, <laughs> and they, they experience, a, you know, a fair share of that. This isn't something you do alone. There's just no such thing as, as pastoring alone. And, um, and my parents would be a, like a, a pretty significant um, piece of what that the whole internal <laughs> struggle yep. and, uh, and hold that, you know, 
with love and, and with a grain of salt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I'm working through some, some challenging things. And, and, uh, my dad came to visit, we were building some stuff together and I, I was telling him some of what, I, what I'm trying to figure out. And, and he just stopped and was like, I don't think you realize how proud your mom and I are of you. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you are a deeper person than I am already in your life, which I don't know if that's necessarily true, but oh man, it means a lot, right? Like it just was like overwhelming to hear that. And I, I think it is good to have humans in our life that sometimes that are outside of our church mm-hmm. that, that help us to ground us in, in our faith and what's really important. Tell us a little bit about, if you could, like what have been the, the best gifts of being a pastor? And then also, you know, the opposite of like that, what have been some of the bigger hurts or challenges that you've had to like walk through? Mm-hmm. Well, for sure. Like, like I just, I count it such a privilege to be doing this work. And, um, because, um, I think what, what really fuels me, what gives me life is to walk with other people where they're at. Um, and, and to, and to see them encounter God. So on the side of like, what's maybe hard is, is carrying to me, it's, I I carry a significant weight in carrying those key moments. (laughs) And so that's maybe uh, part of what's hard and, and even painful in terms of being a pastor. But it's also true that then like sharing the joys of that is, is pretty huge. Yeah. I, I think for me, one of the things I think about is like being present in people's life at moments of truth, because I feel like, I feel like it's at moments of truth where God is doing the most work. And that's not just like the good truth. It's not like this, the moment when, you know, God's, you know, pixie dust comes down and, and lands on people and they feel all peaceful and great, but, but really like the moments when people feel safe enough or whatever it is, or desperate enough to actually tell the truth yeah. about what they're, they're working through. Cause that for me, I believe that's the moment when God is doing the most profound thing yeah. and, and, but truth isn't always good. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah. I would say that's one of the interesting things, right? It's like, we, we often get to be there and help people be brave and be courageous and, and face yeah. these things knowing and with some sense of hope that that this moment of truth is going to lead to something that's freeing and mm-hmm. and brings more peace and joy you get to see people walk through these things but like you said i totally agree with you sometimes the weight of the stories gets gets super heavy yeah, so. yeah. for you personally like what have been what have been some of the greater challenges as you've like as a uh, as a pastor, but, but I do think there's something profound about you being a pastor and being a a woman in a sense, showing, like you said, you didn't have good, healthy examples of women pastors in your life when you were a kid. 
And now I'll ask this question, but whether you like it or not, you are the example for many young women <laughs> seeing you being a pastor. So, so how do you feel about being a representative mm-hmm. of, of women in ministry? And I would add leadership, like you're a woman yeah. who leads as in well. In leadership, like, like yeah. Not just ministry, but leadership as well. That's yeah, right. Both. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think I knew in my gut some things that I maybe didn't know with my head um, initially. And I like my first reaction when I, when it is stirring of like a call to pastoral leadership, no, thank you. Because I don't have any desire to be some sort of pioneer. And now I know that, I know that women have been in ministry for a lot longer than my life. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. but I'm just in my context, in my circle, just felt like, oh, this is a, this is a, this is a pioneer kind of situation. And, um, and I just didn't, I, I was like, I don't, God, I don't want to live. Like I have to prove myself. And the, and God's response really was like, okay, I, you know, I hear you. Let's carry on now. <laughs> let's, let's move on forward. Okay. You've stated your, you've said what you think and now let's get at it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and I mean, I have to say like, I do have internal resistance to um, anytime there's an argument about women in ministry, I have reserve within me because I have seen I have seen some fairly ugly <laughs> um, responses to that. I want to be someone who speaks truth in love. I want to be someone who is a good leader, not because I might be a minority, <laughs> but I want to be a good leader because I'm actually a good leader. I, I have, I also have some pretty strong convictions about, um, about why it's important that our world understands, um, the value and dignity of each human life. Like I have some pretty strong feelings on that. And I did like one of the most painful seasons for me was actually leading up to going to seminary, I started to really read a lot about women in ministry, scripture, feeling like I need, I need to have a good understanding mm-hmm. of, of this. And through a lot of that reading, as, as a lot of transformation happens, I had to kind of be torn, <laughs> like shredded <laughs> in order to kind of be built back up. And part of, part of that process was kind of going down the, the line of what, what might it mean if, if women are on a different tier, like a different tier than mm. men in terms of standing before Christ. And it, and that was, those, those were like deconstructive days where I mm. was almost, you know, like going like, if it's true that only some of the Bible pertains to me as a female, then is it, is it possible that, that salvation does not necessarily pertain to me as well? And, um, 
So I'm not saying, so when I say like, I don't want to be some sort of like poster, poster child for women in ministry, it's not because I don't have strong convictions. I would like to pursue those convictions in really healthy, self-aware, speaking the truth and love, like gospel kind of ways. Even the painful, painful experiences I've had, I've had people say things like, we just thought you should know. We don't believe you should be doing this. And then when I say, do you want to, you know, do you want to continue that conversation? Do you want to read some things together? Do you want to, nope, we just felt like you should know. We're just going to put that out for you. Just put that out there for you to, yeah. Yeah. And these are people that I'm supposed to be pastoring. I can't even tell you the number of times that Steve and I have, you know, entered a situation and people have just turned to him, assuming that he is the leader in this, you know, setting or whatever. And, or I've had strangers attend our church and then come back before the service started the next week to have a conversation with me. And they, they had been called by the Lord to rebuke me and then to just misquote scripture after scripture I've had, you know, I've had people say, you will never be able to minister to anyone other than perhaps women who are younger than you. Wow. And these are people who I had, this isn't a stranger. That's my, I mean, a stranger, I mean, I can kind of shake that off in a different way, but, but um, sure. Like lots of levels of, of in some ways condemnation. So lots of experiences like that. Maybe, maybe what's more painful or what, what rattles a little bit deeper is when is being in different leadership settings where you're, especially as a young person. So I, I like, I'm somebody when I turned 40, like that was an exciting day for me. Well, you're 40. What? (laughs) Good answer. Wow. You're old. I can't believe (laughs) That's history. Let me tell you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I celebrated turning 40 because I felt like that, that gave me some weight mm-hmm. that, so as a young woman pastor, the, the weightlessness of my voice was, was really hard sometimes. And then, and being in some situations where, you know, wondering, I'm not, I don't know how much weight I have in this situation. And then trying to like gauge or guess how much weight. And then sometimes, sometimes recognizing like, I'm supposed to have authority in this situation. I am respond. I have responsibility, but I don't have authority. Mm-hmm. And so those, those have been hard, you know, hard moments. Wow. Well, there a couple, a couple of things come to mind for me when you're, when you're sharing, because we haven't really actually said that we work together quite a while, actually. Yeah. So that's the first yeah. thing. But I remember when we were working together, I can't remember, we were doing something, it was some kind of an, uh, of an event that was happening in the youth room. It was music and all that kind of stuff. And, and you were there and somebody who hadn't been there before was like, Steve, Steve was there playing the guitar and doing something. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. Anyways. And they were like, so that's the other pastor. They asked me, that's the other pastor. And they were pointing at Steve. And I was like, Oh, no, 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 that that's just a guy who 
is playing the guitar. The, the, the other pastor is over here, <laughs> you know, standing at the back. She's the one sharing tonight. You were sharing, I remember. Okay. And I, I remember their face was just so shocked. Yeah. And and I I hate to say it, but the, the kind of the like, this is bad of me, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I kind of liked that it was like, <laughs> I'm just going to. I was going to poke that, leave that out there and let you, you know, <laughs> yeah. brew on that for a little bit. You have to, you have to take pleasure in shocking people. Every once in a while, right? Oh like, yeah. Yeah, you do. And then the other, the other thing that comes to mind for me too, is just like, when we, when we worked together, I never felt, I didn't feel like there was a man, woman thing for me, to be honest with you. And, and I'm sure you will remember this, but every time I had to preach, uh, I was always worried I was going to say something that was un, that was heretical, you know. And now I don't worry about saying heretical thing. I just say it now. You I just, just go for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sh- I'm sure that you remember this that that I would often end up in your office. It kind of goes. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm gonna. This is what I'm thinking about saying. Like, how off do you think I am here? Like, I, <laughs> and which way am I off? Like, am I, you know, right, right. anyways, and, and just constantly looking for reassurance from you actually to tell me like, how, how crazy is this? You know, and so I, do you remember that? Or is that just, Oh me? yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do know this and you probably remember it, but I remember we were at a retreat. Uh, it was when we have an, we, it was you and I, and we had an interim pastor and I know okay. who it was, but I won't say his name. Yeah. Yeah. And we had gone away for some little private time with God and we had kind of come back. And I remember we came back and we were supposed to share like images or metaphors that came to us when we were in prayer. I don't know if you remember this or not, but, Mm-mm. and I, I said, it was my turn to kind of go. And I was like, the metaphor I had was of just me, you know, standing in front of a mirror, completely naked. I've blocked this out. I don't remember. This. Yeah. See, this was so funny because you started laughing. Like right away, you started laughing. And this interim pastor who was with us, just like so straight faced, just you could see terror in his face. Like, how am I going to respond to this? Like, what is this guy about? Yeah. And, yeah. and what, what made it worse was I was serious. I was actually serious. I wasn't trying to make anyone laugh. I wasn't joking. Anyways, I am curious to know, like, what are what are some of the fun stories that that for you that have come out of maybe the early parts of ministry? But what have been some of the the pastoral stories that just make you still cringe or laugh or you know whatever? They don't have to have my name in them, but we we do love talking about me on this podcast. So. <laughs> Well, the crazy things probably do have your name in them. Yeah, exactly. We can't help it. Oh, I was thinking of like, like I do, I have your face like labeled next to a bunch of things. Finding a, a weapon, a knife on the, on the roof of our church building. Like, like who does these things? You're like, I don't even know why you were on the roof of the church building. But then you like come back down and you're like, you've used a, You've used your sweatshirt so that you wouldn't get your fingerprints on it. You're like, look at this. And it's this bloody knife that did, totally turned out to be like the weapon from in a crime. And somebody like just tossed it up there. Only Evan has these kinds of experiences. Why was he on the roof? 
it was leaking or I don't know. Do you want, I can clarify. I know why I was there. <laughs> I tell you what I was doing. I was doing the, the year one year or two year walkthrough with the builder who built the church building okay. and we were inspecting the whole place and we found okay. the knife and the incident the funny part of that story is I actually had picked up the knife with just with my bare hand yeah and then I found a sweater that I also up there which also had blood all over it so this guy had done harm and then had thrown the knife in the and this his sweatshirt on top of the church. And so the funny part about that story, I phoned the police and I was like, so I found a knife on the church roof. And they were like, Oh my gosh, well, we know exactly what's happened. Like it was a yeah, strathmore. It was like, it was not like there was a lot of stabbings that had <laughs> happened. In the, and he's like, so we're going to come. So we're going to need a ladder to get up on the roof and all those things. And I was like, Oh no, I have it here in my office. And they were like, you picked it up? And I remember putting it down in my office. I was like, no, no, I didn't touch it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. That is a good story. I, I remember that. And I totally remember like how many days did like, so our Evan's office was right next door to mine. And you'd be just feel like you could just hear him get up from his desk, walk, walk around to my door. He just like come in and sit down and slam the door. He'd be like, what is he processing today? <laughs> <laughs> or, or what's the crazy idea? Cause he like, like, okay, let's have a crazy idea. And then, and then, and then Evan's like, let's see if you can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a theme. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we heard this from Rob too, and I'm Tara's nodding. just like, uh-huh. Yes. Although to be fair, he did hire me as the make it happen person. So that's right. Yeah, I remember um it's after Rob had gone, the two of us were trying to lead, doing our, our level best. And I want to make light of this, but I won't make light of it. Uh, because because any any pastor who's been in ministry for any length of time at some point is going to, is going to be told that they aren't following Christ well, or they aren't following Christ at all, or they're, mm -hmm. you know, in this particular case, you know, follow, serving the devil, which is what would have happened. And, and I remember, yeah. And it was late and uh, I'd got an email. I had read it. You were still in your office. And I was like, I, can you come and read this for me? And so I sat in my, in my nice chair in my office while you sat in my office chair. And I remember sitting there in shock and mm -hmm. have been very hurt. My, my yeah. feelings were really hurt and I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't remember your, I actually vividly remember it. You sitting in my chair, reading this email and your facial expression, just ch <laughs> quite changing as you, as you started out reading this email. Yeah. And I could tell you were wrapping up and I was like, so did they just call me the devil? And I remember you turned and looked at me and this was such compassion. And you were like, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we, yeah. we had to figure out what to do. And it was so hard and I was so hurt and it, and it didn't, it didn't get better from that point really yeah. for a little bit till we try to figure some things out. And, and, and I still look back at that time to kind of go, this was a shaping time for me. And I was so grateful that within, you know, 
60 seconds of reading that message that I had somebody that was there mm. that could tell me how not true it was. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, it, it actually probably still to this day will be one of those moments when I look back and I go, I have had good colleagues in ministry that have supported and kind of encouraged me when I, when it's been hard and some of those things, but that moment for me mm. most definitely goes down as probably one of the most important times in my ministry life where to be honest, another pastor said, that is just simply not true of you. Well, what we just read and what people don't realize is that pastors are just humans like like everybody else and mm-hmm. and we have insecurities and we have voices that that speak unhealthy words to us and in, in what for you have been the those voices what have they sounded like and is there a theme to them do, do you have those kinds yeah. of things oh yeah, for you? yeah absolutely yeah plenty of naysayers <laughs> um in my own in my own head, they're repeating tracks, you know, like they're tracks that were recorded a long time ago. And then they just, they play at just the right moments (laughs) Um, when, when you might believe it, you know, some of my tracks have been, um, see you, you aren't strong enough to do this something. So another part of my story that I haven't haven't mentioned in this context is that I, I suffered a severe, a severe major depress, uh, depression prior to becoming a pastor. And then depression has certainly been like something that I continue to deal with. And certainly sometimes more than others tied with, with that experience of just mental health, then to, to just this sort of thing of like, yeah, you're not you just don't have what it takes is definitely one of the, one of the tracks that kind of repeats another track. And I, I would imagine that, that moms in general would maybe relate to this. So any mom that I've ever talked to and Tara, you can <laughs> maybe confirm or not, but is the guilt like a guilt track of, yeah, you're, you're not doing enough. You're not, you're just, you're not enough for your kids. And I think that's a pretty prevalent. So then, so I, I've had that a lot, like mix that in with the pastoring stuff, you know, feeling 100% tuned in to my kids and their needs, which sometimes is pretty overwhelming but then at the same time, feeling that same sort of tuned in with people in my congregation or in my community and just knowing that, and, and that, that, that guilt track of like, you're just not enough. So you're not enough for these kids that you brought into this world or that you chose to, to have, you know, and you're not enough for these people either. And that, that track, the danger of that one is, is a, that, that I, you know, believe it sometimes, but also that then it just like pushes you to try and do more, be more all the time, which then actually gets me into the biggest problems (laughs) come from when I'm trying too hard or like, 
and trying to be all things to all people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm a little too good at that. Yeah. And, and that's maybe a, a, a trait that, that women, so I hate, I hate stereotypes, but it's yeah. possible that women are brought up to, to be a little better at like pretty good at accommodating to what everybody needs in the situation. And so I, I, I have some pretty good skills with that, but it kills, it kills my soul. And as a leader, it's not good. Mm -hmm. It's not good for the church. It's not good for the people I'm leading. Um, if I try to be all things to all people. Yeah. I resonate with that for sure. That's definitely what I, I can understand that. And I feel that definitely as a mom, it's like, you want to do all the things and be all the things and meet all the expectations. And often I feel like if I'm really doing well at the, like paying attention to Theo and focusing and, you know, really present with him, I'm feeling somewhere else. Exactly. Something else is being let go. And then you try and make up for that. How have you found you've been able to work through that? I just, I think it's an ongoing thing. Like I don't, I don't think I've arrived anywhere. Mm -hmm. So one of, one of the, journeys that that has brought about is a journey of letting go of control and that plays out on lots of levels so as like as a leader um entrusting some other people with things that maybe do it doesn't feel that good to <laughs> to entrust actually knowing like this is this is what's good for the people who I'm discipling you know so um letting go of some control as a leader but then also as a mom actually not not my picture of who I think my kid's mom should be but actually letting like who I am be what it is for my kids except that that that's probably what they need and and another you know another angle of that has been Steve and like as a mom uh, at some pretty key times allow letting go of some control and letting Steve be fully who he is as a dad, even when it maybe looks a little different than how I would maybe do some things or, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would say letting, letting go of control is certainly one of the, the key like pieces. And the other, the other one being, uh, just becoming more comfortable with who I am. You know, I don't know anybody who doesn't need to go through that process or isn't currently going through that process. Like, yeah. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think we, we graduate from this one. Like even with my limitations, even with the fact that I deal with depression and that there may be times still to come in my life story where I won't be at the top of of my game. I won't feel like I'm at the top and I won't actually be. And I actually accepting that is okay. That's actually how the spirit of God wants to use me. That is part of his story. Like God is not unaware of, of who I am. He's, he's got it way more figured out than I do. And that, that God can use, he does use all of that. And so you know, trusting my gut when I, when I feel strongly about something, I've kind of learned, pay attention to that. 
I would definitely affirm that. I'm not going to tell the story of where I get that, but, but there have been times as we've worked together where you have told me very strongly a sense that you had from your gut. I, I can think of a couple of occasions, a couple where we went, we went with what you said and it was a good thing. Very, very good mm. thing. And also I, I remember a specific time when I, when I was like, that can't be right. I don't think you're right. Only to find out later that you were a hundred percent right. And so I I I just think I would I guess I'm telling you that because I would want to affirm the good-natured heart that God has given you hmm. really does speak quite loudly in your life. It's it's a very true voice. Like you you are one of those pastors for me that that you just have a good sense about things. So, hey, uh, right now we're getting to work on some fun stuff in the last few years. And this has probably been one of the joys of my last few years. You know, I, I came here to Chestermere to plant a church. You know, you, you eventually ended up in Saskatoon. And uh, we both end up becoming lead pastors. For me, feels like a crazy twist. Uh, <laughs> since I, and I'm actually talking about me, not you. I never anticipated <laughs> I would be a lead pastor. And a few years ago, the, the two of us kind of got to get back back together on a team working in another country mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on an area that we both have grown just a huge heart for in Haiti and, and, and working with, with the community of Holt Limbe and some of the community lim- leaders there. What, is, what has it meant for you to be kind of a part of the work that, that the ECCC is doing in Haiti together? And for you personally, what is that? What does that mean? Oh, it's been such a good connection. I mean, on, on many different levels, like one of them being one of the, when I was a teenager, our family went and, and lived in Ecuador for a couple of years. And, and, and that was just a really formative experience in my life. And yet, you know, what it, what it meant. And so I, I get like, I, I definitely have, I, I get a lot of joy out of being with people from other cultures. Being in Haiti, um, I just, I love the different perspective that it gives me um, to make friends who see things so differently and, um, and experience things differently and becoming good friends with some of our Haitian brothers and sisters just, it just means the world to me. One of our, one of the people that we met almost on accident, one of the trips, um, her name's Jessica. And uh, she, I've continued, like she's, she actually had to, had to come to Canada as a refugee. She's in Montreal. We continue to just talk and Last year, she tutored my son in French and they, they talked. And so I got to talk with her like twice a week for like six months. It's awesome. <laughs> and just what a, what a huge gift to like, to have our lives more intertwined. Um, and just, and how ch- like that changes me um, so much those, those relationships. What I, one of the things I most love about the, the work that we do there is that it's team, like it's so team based. Yeah, I know. I, I would say 
for me, um, so much, so much of the same, same things I recognize. And, you know, this will be no surprise to people, but I thrive on relationship and connection with others. Mm -hmm. It's it's a, it's an important part of what I think life is about for me. And, uh, and I most definitely would say that, that if I was to think of a, of a group of people that have changed me for the better in my life, it would be my friendships and my relationships with, with our, our friends in Haiti. They have an incredible wisdom that unfortunately the, the world doesn't see. Mm-hmm. The world sees yeah. poverty and sees other things that, that hide a wisdom about life, mm-hmm. and a perspective about God that is profound. And uh, I, I think that as one of the leaders in, of, our, of our work in Haiti here in Canada, I think that's one of the things I long for our, our Canadian family to see that it's like, you, you don't understand fully what these people can do for us in shaping us in our faith, in our culture, in the way that we see our own neighborhoods and, and all of those, those kinds of things. And, and so if there was like a, a tension for me, it's, it's that, you know, we talk so much about what we can do to help, to help our friends in Haiti. And some of that is, you know, raising funds for, for, you know, for healthcare, for, for food, for, for kids, you, you know, mm-hmm. teaching agriculture, you know, all the different things that, that we do caring for elderly folks, right? Fish farming, all that stuff. A part of our role is to communicate that this is what they are doing and here's how we can help. And some of that is, is money. It, it ultimately comes mm-hmm. down to resources yeah. like that. But what we don't get to do, unless people come with us to Haiti, is share the beauty and wisdom of these people yeah. and how they can, they can shape how we see the world in so much healthier ways. And so I think that's one of the joys. So not, not just that we get to do something good in the world, but that I think God has spoken quite loud and clearly to me. In fact, Mm -hmm. the the nature of, of my family is huge uh, because of trips to Haiti. I would add to it's, it's kind of interesting, actually, you know, we were talking about women leading and in Haiti, we have several women leading programs and projects there as well. Yes. So there's women and men that are leading and we get to empower them to do the work that they're looking forward to and excited about and where they see needs in their community. And that's, that's pretty cool. And then one other question for you, Kristen, is just, um, you were mentioning some of the struggles and some of the things people have said to you about being a female leader. How, how have you worked through some of that? Or how do you internally kind of you know, separate that from the work that you're trying to do. I think like Evan, Evan said earlier, pastors are just actually human beings. And, you know, like I bruise just the same (laughs) as anybody else. So definitely like there's, there's wounds that I, that have needed to heal through time, uh, wounds that have needed to heal through, um, some counseling, you know, doing some therapy and some wounds that actually continually getting worked out or I'm working through it as I, as I just, as I live into who I am called to be. And, and honestly, one of my, one of my biggest prayers that is it's ongoing 
is um, whenever, whenever I'm angry or really hurt by something, I'm, I'm constantly asking God to protect me from bitterness because I feel like, um, particularly for women in ministry, bitterness is like, it's like this, it's a deadly root that like once it's kind of taken root, like it's, it's really, really, really hard to dislodge that. And so I don't know. Part of that means continuing to be vulnerable, like putting myself back out there, trying to stay soft in a, in a way, like, I don't know. Some people say you just have to get a thicker skin. And I, like, I get that, but I I don't know. I, I, that doesn't ring true to me in my own experience because actually staying softer is i think more healing (laughs) i also think it's it is a gift to the people that you care for and you serve They, they they may not like that very much but i but i do think that it's like it's true we live in a you know a world tough world out there you know all that kind of stuff right but i i i think that we forget and we can forget very easily that we're, we're speaking to other humans with other yeah. stories. And so I, I do actually think that one of the gifts I've, I'm trying to do as a pastor, and I, I think for men, it's a different thing. There's an assumption that men are just going to be, you know, that we have thick skins. Right, right. And, that you're born and, with it somehow. Yeah, somehow. And we don't, we don't, I don't. But I think that as I am learning to be a human. So I could say be a pastor, but be a human better. I think that, that one of the gifts I give the people around me is that when they say hurtful things, I tell them, mm-hmm. and I think it's okay to shine that back to people and go, you can, you can tell the truth and be kind at the same time. I hope that you know how important you are in our family of churches lives not just in the church that you serve and how important you have been and continue to be in my life as a pastor. And I think in many ways we've mentored each other mm-hmm. as friends yeah. and as partners. And I, I am beyond grateful for the wisdom that you have shared in my life and how you've cared for me, including last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> right up until last week and, and probably in, in the years to come. So I, I am grateful for that. You are a good pastor and, uh, and being a woman, I think might even make you a better pastor. Yeah. I would just add to like, <laughs> for me too, I, I've had the pleasure of getting to work with you a little bit on some of our Haiti stuff and even going to Haiti with you and spending that time with you has been really important for me as someone who also works in ministry and as a woman, cause I work with the male staff that I love. They're fantastic, but there is something different about seeing other women yeah. represent. And, and I think yeah. you do a good job of making space in Haiti for women to lead. Mm-hmm. And I think you do a good job of that here. And I, I'm really personally grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. These, these places and ministries are better because you're here. Well, thanks. Thanks to you both. You're both of you joy to work with.